Well, welcome to another episode of On the Couch with myself, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. And it's fair to say today is a really, really special episode as I have Jeff Lord, the non-exec chair from Tesserent, joining me on the couch along with the co-CEO and co-MD, Kurt Hansen. Now, for our members that will remember, TNT has been a really good winner for us in uh, the last year or so. And we recommended people buy them around four cents uh, we did take some profits along the way and got out even at the top nearly at 40 cents and recently sold down. Uh, so we're out completely. But of course, today on the couch, we're talking to some of the main men behind this fantastic success story, taking this this small cybersecurity company into one of Australia's largest cybersecurity companies. So really looking forward to hearing the story from these two guys and very lucky that they've given up their time for us today. So welcome, Jeff. And welcome, Kurt. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Henry. Thanks. Great to be here. Now, just before I kick off, we just have to do the usual disclaimer, of course. This is general advice only, so anything we discuss here on this podcast is general advice only. So just do your own research, contact your own financial advisor, etc., regarding any of this. But guys, so it's been it's an absolute privilege and an honor to welcome you to uh, this series on the couch, this podcast. First of all, Jeff, uh, you're, you're a busy man, obviously, and, and irons in many fires. What attracted you in the first place to Tesserent? Let me, let me just preface it, if I could, Henry, by saying my attitude in life is prizes are given out at the end of the race. We're yeah. only part of the way down the track. Right. Now, that's very important. You've said some nice things, but in the end, you know, we've been at this for 12 months and we've got a journey to go and uh, a few things to do. But go back in the story. Why did it happen at all? First of all, I think it came about because we were looking for something in the cyber industry, in the um, uh, cyber security area, because we believe it's going to be a growth and a sustained growth for the next three to five years at least. And we also wanted to find something we could marry with, uh, to some degree, with cloud and also with artificial intelligence where we could use it. So there's a bigger play here than just um, uh, cyber. And the in looking for a company, we came across a, a, a company, Tesserent, TNT, which was an absolute train wreck. It was losing money. It had a, a lot of tax losses, which was attractive. It was in yeah. a good space, which was attractive. It uh, had built a U-Butte Bells and Whistles sock, which cost money to do, but the sock was grossly underutilised, so the company was losing money. So we felt the only way to go was up, but in order to make it go up, we had to take effective control. So we bought enough stock to get seek a meeting with the board. The risk of getting into trouble here, we did in effect say, well, the board don't have a vision, the management don't have credibility, and the company's going nowhere. And at that point, they basically said, well, here's the keys. So the board was changed. Three members retired. Uh, Kurt and Julian came onto the board as co-CEOs, the two of them, and I took the role as executive, or not executive chairman. That's where the journey started. And that journey started in about February 2020. Today, we're sitting here 15 months later. We're no longer a train wreck. We are what we say is a red rattler, stopping at all stations. But at least we've got the train on the rail, and at least it's going to stations that we want to go to, and at least it's running to a timetable. So... 
in that sense, we have done in the 15 months what we have set out to do. And the first objective for us was to build critical mass and positive cash flow. The second part of our journey, though, is to turn that red rattler into a bullet train. Now, we're not there by any means. We're at the coming towards the end of phase one, which was to move from the train wreck to a regular train service. Um, phase two for us has to be moving this company to a uh, what I call a bullet train, and that's why Kurt and Julian are so important in the structure to build the business units. There are a lot of things technically that I don't understand in the industry and also at my age, I'm more in the troglodyte era. But uh, but the smart people are the people that are joining and staying with us and contributing to the next phase of our growth. So that's why we went to cyber and that's why we went to the vehicle and that summarises, is in a way, the philosophical approach to our first year and then year two uh, really becomes a lot of uh, building that train service into a fast-performing, fast-moving uh, organisation. So critical critical mass was number one objective, and we're getting close to being able to have critical mass. We will probably hit, uh, in the month of June, a run rate of, of about 150. We've said that. Um, but that's a one-month run rate. It's June multiplied by 12. Yeah. If you take a longer period say, the last quarter of the year, uh, which was April, May, June, we're probably more running like 130 because, the uh, you know, the quarter by four because the, the train is building up steam. So the numbers each month are getting a little bit larger. So that's one important fact. The other important fact is that at an EBITDAC level, and I'll explain why we use EBITDAC. We're starting to run at 10, 11, 12% type numbers uh, as a percentage EBITDAC to revenue. Now, key is uh, to keep the momentum going, to turn our revenue into annuity streams, not consulting revenue, and to improve our EBITDAC to um, to uh, revenue. So why do we use an EBITDAC measure? Because our corporate basically stays relatively fixed. So as we grow, the EBITDAC should be going up, but the corporate should be staying relatively fixed. We also are carrying a lot of baggage, and the baggage relates to the stuff that comes in below the EBITDA or EBITDAC line, and that's one-time only non-cash abnormal expenses and they relate to the cost of acquisitions and for example if you've been through the accounting for options stock options or warrants you'll understand that it's a nightmare Mm. because you need to write off the cost of those warrants even though there's no cash negative and even though if the warrants are exercised which is a positive thing you get no credit for the actual warrant They just want you to take a cost. I do have trouble with some of the accounting standards today because they don't help people understand what a company's doing. So we've tended to concentrate on revenue, annuity streams, percentage, 
and EBITDA to uh, revenue. And it is building every month, month by month. It, it's certainly been a, a great success story. And, and you guys have uh, have been on a, a, a huge sort of acquisition trail over the last um, 14, 15 months. Kurt, if I could just ask you, when we when we talk about cyber, it's it's such a broad thing. Even today when we're recording this podcast, we've seen Domain have a cyber attack on their website and some sort of scam about rentals. It, it's, it's a mass, we seem to see every day uh, some sort of cyber attack. Uh, what sort of these attacks can, can the TNT, the Tesserent software and the systems guys and all the consultants, does it cover such a broad range of these cyber attacks or is there an area that you specialize in? No, absolutely. We're, our teams are working with you know, our thousand-odd customers every day in many different ways. Sometimes we're providing you know, discrete, you know, single-type services to a larger client. Sometimes we are providing end-to-end what we call Cyber360 services to a, to a mid-market client where we're helping them with consulting. We've built their products. We then help them manage their products, and we respond in a very aggressive way to any incident that they might have. The first thing I have to say is when our people and our staff work with our clients and do things properly, nothing happens. It's, it's very boring. Mm. Uh, Jeff doesn't like that because he likes to be in the papers a lot. <laughs> so we're just <laughs> a couple of times. But we like to be boring. And and most of the, the attacks you've seen, you know, we, we, we've had some involvement with it, with it here and there, but we generally try, try, try to keep our clients out of the newspapers. So mm-hmm. it really varies depending by client and depending upon where we're engaged at that cycle. You'll never, ever stop cyber, just like crime in society, just like, um, you know, the healthcare system. You can have great healthcare systems, great technology, great people, People are still going to die. It, you know, it's about decrease. It's about our our work is about decreasing what we call cyber resilience. We help organisations improve their resilience to cyber attacks. So the harder you make it for someone to hack you, then they'll move on to somebody else. Mm. It's a bit like running faster than running faster than the other bloke when the lion's chasing. Yeah, again, it's interesting <laughs> yeah. profile of the customer base, Henry. Uh, you know, right today, about forty three percent of the top one hundred companies are doing some activity with us. We are restrained from talking about those companies, those clients. We also do a significant amount of work for the federal government, particularly in defence, which in the end means whatever, high security stuff. And that's quite important. But again, we're prevented from talking about the client base a bit because of confidentiality reasons. One thing I was going to ask you guys, I mean, you've you've been on a, a trail of acquisitions over the last 14, 15 months. Is, is, it, is it hard to do these acquisitions? I know that there's many a company that's come sort of a cropper to some extent with buying other companies, betting down things, egos at play, all that sort of thing, different cultures. Has it been a, a, a relatively uh, trouble-free process getting all these guys bedded down under the TNT umbrella? Yeah, to date has been... To date, it's been very good uh, because basically to, to date, we've kept our go-to, go-to market models through the individual entities. What we have integrated is the backroom. So if we take accounting, if we take legal, if we take um, office space, if we take uh, support, we've integrated that as much as we can. The What we haven't done yet, which is, is a high priority for us, is to look for the synergies between the businesses, uh, particularly in areas like the SOC and the NOC, to see what efficiencies we can Establish. That's an area that we haven't really tackled yet. So to right. date, the, the because we haven't done full integration, we've integrated the backroom and left go to market models. 
going forward, as the train gathers pace, we need to start thinking about what synergies are there available between business units and how do we bring those about. But that's in phase two of the exercise. And Jeff, maybe just right. adding to that, we, we started off, Henry, with a strategy around acquiring businesses that had unique capability that built out our, our Cyber360 framework. So each one of them either has a uh, consulting focus, a product or a solution focus, a managed service focus, or they have geographic diversity being in Canberra or being in New Zealand. So none of the founders actually competed with each other. A lot of roll-ups, in my experience, of you know, go astray. Some of our competitors mm. have them because they bring, you know, uh, egocentric, egocentric founders on board that are used to competing with each other and then they bring them into the yep. one ax vehicle and say, now play nicely with each other. Yeah, we've tried, never to, happens. We've tried, <laughs> tried to avoid... Try to avoid duplication in the in yeah. the selection of the targets. Yeah. So yeah. that's important. And, in and, the and our founders, I think, are, are some of the best leaders I've worked with in my career. And so they're working with each other uh, collaboratively every day around building the greater, not only running their own businesses tightly and making you know their commitments, but also working out what um, you know what what can come by working together better to to to, to, to your net clients. Henry, it's it's important that uh, acquisitions will only take you so far. You right. need to generate organic growth and synergies between business units. So we need to have solutions that that uh, appeal to. The client, so that's that's important in the whole profile of what we're doing. But we are starting to get organic growth within individual business units since we have acquired them. In fact, our last public state went to some lengths to say that we were developing organic growth, generating organic growth within the business units since we acquired them. Yeah, one thing I was going to say, we've seen this in a, in a number of industries at the moment. It's hard to get staff. Hard to get trained staff. How how hard is it for you guys to attract the talent? I guess that you need to grow that business uh, to grow these um, through organic and also through acquisitions. How hard is it at the moment? I think there's about three layers to that question. First of all, it's, it's always been difficult in IT, and now cyber is even more difficult. You know, the government's got uh, their studies identified. We need seven thousand more workers in the next three years. Um, that's one of the reasons Jeff might want to speak to Tessa and Academy later, but that's one of the reasons we've set that up. So we know that uh, acquiring good staff, training that staff, you can't always acquire the skills you need. You have to bring in entry-level staff and train them. All of our businesses have done that for many years, you know, some of them for as long as 15 years. So it's been a culture in a services-led business, whether it's consulting or managed services, you've always had to bring good staff in. Then the issue is retaining the staff. What we're finding now is, is that... Uh, I was in New Zealand last week. Other businesses are really excited about the greater breadth of Tesserant for their own career developments. Um, in fact, some of the managers I've got that have been hiring people in the last couple of months, they're asking, you know, they might be joining one of our business units, a Rivium or a Pure Security, but they keep asking questions, of course, about Tesserant and what's the story and what's the vision. So they know the mothership is there and the mothership is, you know, organising things and preparing to be, you know, Australia's um, sovereign, iconic cybersecurity business provider of choice. Um, so we're actively we're actively going to be pushing a lot more in that space. We've um, brought on board, you know, Emmeline, who's a, a key people and culture person from PwC. So as we've grown the business, we also have to bring talent in that knows how to help us with uh, processes and, uh, you know, um, employee value statements in a bigger business. So we're well, I think the interesting thing is, Henry, in some ways 
it's not dissimilar to uh, other companies that we've built. If I go back to the UXE model, for example, which did end up, uh, which we built from zero to 800 million of services, ended up in the end with uh, computer sciences for about 500 million and and is continuing to do very well in Australia today under the name DXC. There's some interesting parallels in the model, but um, here I think there's more scope for initiative of new product and that's why we've announced recently, in the last couple of weeks, two new initiatives. One is into products through our innovation centre and the other is to the academy. Uh, And the academy, we're in discussions at the moment with Melbourne University Business School um, and the Victorian government. The innovation area is an attempt to get involved, not to own, but get involved with very smart new products. And when we write the transactions, there's three common characteristics. One is we take an equity position, but a relatively small equity position. Two is we take leverage through options to build our position from there. And thirdly, we have the exclusive rights to the distribution of the product. Now, we are not going into startups we are going into early stage products. And I'd like Kurt to talk about TrustGrid for a minute, but TrustGrid generated a million last year in revenue and you might be able well, to... Well, the, the best way to talk to TrustGrid is, um, uh, you know, it's an offshoot from one of the businesses that joined the team recently and uh, one of the founders has further developed that technology. They've got, um, uh, in New South Wales, I don't know if you know, Henry, but you can have your driver's licence digitally onto your mobile phone. I have mine. Right. Mine, yeah, you're in New, you're in New, you're in New South Wales. Sorry, apologies. You live in yes. Sydney, right? So, so, yeah, I, so you would expect that in order for, for that to happen, you'd expect the software that that sits in to be secure, wouldn't you? And so, I'd like to think so. And so, TrustGrid uses blockchain technology, and uh, uh, the chap is to, to use use very advanced software developers to actually integrate that in and make it secure. So that's one example of what blockchain does. So we've taken as Jeff said, a minority equity of that of that particular software. And we'll be using the Tesla and team to distribute that product, you know, around uh, around the country and, and internationally if possible. So that's a, a, an area that we need to balance as well because uh, rather than just being a distributor, reseller, whatever, uh, we need to be a product innovator. The logic or the thinking behind the academy is not only can it train people in Australia in cyber management and cyber understanding, but we can also train or recruit from that company to pick up good people. And that's the logic behind the academy. The academy will run as a profit centre, not a cost centre for us. So are there any gaps in your offering that you think, hey, we need to, obviously with the trust grid and maybe even the attack bound acquisition recently, is that filling some of those gaps with the AI, the blockchain and that side of things? Are there any other gaps out there that you see at the moment? Well, AttackBound is a, is a, is a technology that we're using in, in the latest SOC uh, Security Operations Centre under the Secure Trust brand that's come in. And so we'll be using that software and that business that's part of the testing group now as part of the what we call the Security Operations Centre of the Future, the Next Generation Security Operations Centre. So we're, we're transforming the way that we work there. So that's definitely going to be baked into almost every 
secure managed services deal that we do going forward into Tesseract. We do use other third-party software providers for that at the moment where we might make, you know, 20 points of margin. Obviously, having access to your own software that you've got an equity stake in, it's far more profitable. So we'll be driving that really hard. In terms of other gaps, there's, you know, obviously the landscape's continually evolving and changing. So there are always gaps that will open up as we move down in time. So we've got some really smart people in the place now that actively look at those things. So there are a few things that are emerging at the moment, possibly forensics around following where clients need help with chain of custody to be able to, if they want to take someone to court as a result of a hacking incident, you need to have people that can go and stand up in court. And and so that's a specific, unique thing. That will be one example. And the other one might be geographic. We haven't done anything over in the West yet. And, um, you know, as broken as it is over there, we might be looking, you know, over the South Australia, West Australian borders for something else as well. Again, it's interesting to reflect. Uh, each, each of the business units that joined us have brought different skills, but in some cases, uh, technology that might be duplicated. For example, we now have involvement in five socks, all of which are running at a volume which underutilises each individual one. So clearly there's a program of rationalisation going on uh, through that. We actually have appointed a head of um, synergies working in our team whose job it is is to drive... uh, say, integration of socks, which is an important thing. They're all upsides, I think, but they're not going to be seen in year one. I think it's going to take us into year two before we start to get the benefits of some yeah. of those things. Uh, it's, you know, you've certainly come, come a huge way in, in just a year, as you say, from the, uh, yeah. the train wrecks to the red, red rattler. So clearly, you know, there, there's huge upside to come in, in your business. As far as the international side goes, that that's obviously something that you guys have thought about. Is that... that it's not a high priority. The reason we went to New Zealand, uh, which is really like a sister state for Australia, is because a number of the business units we have wanted to enter New Zealand market. We felt it was better to enter it through a local player who is very strong in government, uh, based in Wellington, also in Auckland and Christchurch, but good, strong government connections. In fact, if you look at the fastest growing of our business units, it is in Canberra, North, which works with uh, the federal government. We are now in something like 17 government departments, which is a good statistic as well. That that is, you're almost embedded in in the government these days, I guess. Well, we need the government and they're a driver of cyber uh, security through Australia and um, the current government, Morrison particularly, has been uh, very proactive in trying to create things, you know, mechanisms, and mm. you'll see again, defence has been right at the forefront of a lot of things we do. And as you know, Australia's in the five eyes. New Zealand is yeah. in the five eyes. So that uh, is good, you know, yeah. good opportunity for us too. In fact, Henry, if you include the, the two businesses that are, or the three businesses that are federal government focused, Jeff mentioned, plus the New South Wales government, we're very strong with some of the businesses in New South Wales. I mentioned, you know, obviously the Service New South Wales uh, application and New Zealand, about 50% of our revenues today are from government, you know, both federal and state and local governments. So it's a very important, very important spend to us. But we see tremendous growth for us outside of that in the financial services. You know, one of our business units does 70% of its revenues in financial services. So we're looking to see how we can take other capabilities from the other group in through that business unit to those clients. And that's happening on a daily basis. 
So here's the danger, Henry. We can talk the talk. Can we walk the walk? And we won't know that until a bit of time elapses. But the points we would make is two. One is we've been there before, and two, that we have a plan to try to move and progress forward. But for us, prizes are given out at the end of the race, so we have to prove ourselves. I think it's fair to say, Jeff and Kurt, that you have walked the walk, uh, not just talked the talk so far, because it's been an incredible ride, not just for you as a company, but also for uh, for shareholders along the way. Which brings me, I guess, to, to the... My next point, how, how do you think the market should be valuing Tesserain or, um, you know, in terms of uh, market cap, stock price, etc.? Is there, is there some sort of valuation you look at with cybersecurity companies overseas and say, okay, well, that's a multiple of that or that's a function of that, that this yeah. is where the value is and we are therefore cheap? Well, I think the first thing, the first thing I, I do believe, given that our EBITDAC is running at a relatively constant 10, 11, 12% of revenue. The first question is, what is the revenue growth look like? I do think to help an investor analyse, it's necessary to go to the industry cyber growth outlook, and that is very strong. We do see double-figure growth in the industry over the next three years. And then you need to take a view as to how our growth would compare to the industry growth. And we'd like to argue or we would like to achieve a growth which is higher than the industry, the average industry growth, because we would like to try to aim at being a a better performer than the industry growth. And then the worldwide industry has tended to talk about a multiple of revenue. The multiple of revenue in the cyber industry averages three. Today we are on one and a quarter. So that, uh, that does give you a bit of upside there, Jeff. I, I think the other thing, <laughs> the other thing, Henry, is uh, Gartner just put out a story uh, a couple of days ago talking about the five point five point two billion, I think, was twenty twenty one valuation of the cybersecurity market. Three point two billion of that is in the services side. Three point mm. two billion, and we're just hitting a run rate of one hundred and fifty million. And our competitive landscape are the big four. They are the, the globals like IBM and now NTT Group and those things. And, of course, the, there's still, still hundreds of small boutique companies out there that um, often struggle, are great, ser- great purveyors of some services, but they struggle with scale. So we've got a tremendous opportunity to grow and to take market share from some of those larger players as we build our brand and we build our capability. Already today, we have a handful of uh, six-figure deals that we're doing right now that have come to us from our investor base people who were shareholders and they're sitting on another board of another company and they've said, hey, come and talk to, I've invested in this company, come and talk to us. And I think that's a fantastic, you know, uh, statement about uh, the sort of work that we do and the ability to grow. So, Henry, we don't want to oversell where we are. This is is not a great story. It is a, a very interesting perspective story. We've gone, as I said, from a train wreck to a red rattler, but we've got to try to see if we can get to a bullet train. So there's a bit of work to do yet. And, and Jeff wants us to do it while we're still moving and taking passengers and collecting money <laughs> and uh, adding a few carriages along the way. So it's a, it's a renovation and a transformation uh, while we're still moving. Interesting time. Interesting interesting opportunity to build something. I, I think it's a very interesting opportunity, guys. We, we've, uh, we've followed it here on the newsletter with, uh, with great enthusiasm for some time and it certainly wasn't any reflection of your prospects or anything else that we, uh, we sold out the other day and I think following our conversation today. 
we might be uh, re-evaluating next year. Right. So right. I'm certainly convinced that uh, me in terms of the depth of the business. Just just one last thing before you guys go, because you, you're at the coalface here, and I'm, I'm just the uh, really the oily rag in the whole thing. As far as trends go in, in technology, you know, looking three to five years ahead, I mean, we're all trying to be futurists around the place and, and following Elon Musk and landing things on Mars, etc. What, what, what are the big trends you see? What, just a couple of them that you see in the next three to five years, not maybe just in cybersecurity, but just in tech generally, that uh, investors should be getting their heads around. Well, one trend that's been accelerated, obviously, by by COVID has been, you know, e-commerce. So that's, that's that mm. in some reports, that's brought some industries forward, you know, a half a dozen to 10 years in terms of acceleration. And, and, and the implementation of that through cloud-based services. So, you know, most of our clients these days are heavily, are rapidly migrating away from on-premise, uh, on-premise solutions to cloud-based solutions. Um, and Jeff mentioned the, the AI word before too, you know, particularly in cybersecurity, but particularly in, all facets of, of, of businesses trying to understand their business, which is now heavily dependent upon IT, people like Virgin Airlines, you know, and we provide solutions in there to help them do this in some sense. Uh, AI is a critical factor. So there's going to be massive advances in machine learning and, and, and understanding the capabilities there. I think um, tech companies, public companies particularly, need to have an ability to be flexible and to evolve. What you see, the market you're in today won't be the same market in five years' time. So you need to be able to at least move with the market. So that's an important uh, characteristic for tech companies. Some of them become very inflexible. That's not the way to go, I don't believe. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for sparing me your valuable time today. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you guys. It's been, uh, it's been an education, to say the least. So thank you very much again for your time. Good luck with turning the Red Rattler into a bullet train. Thanks, you, I've got a sneaky suspicion, Jeff, you're going to get there somehow. Thank um, you. You've got the, thank the you. driving ambition, look, and, I, and I wish you well. So, thank, thank you, Henry. Look forward to seeing you back on the register, Henry. I certainly will. Thanks, okay. guys. Cheers. Uh, cheers. Bye.